0: Let me begin by wishing everybody a good Tov. Hey Tevis, the fifth day of the Hebrew month of Tavis, is a Tov, a day of celebration. It celebrates the victory in federal court of uh, the trial where the library amassed by the previous Lubavitcher Rebbe uh, was uh, returned to its rightful place as the common property of Chabad as a movement and it symbolizes the uh, much more than just the return of the property but the affirmation of the ongoing living activity of Chabad so having said that I guess let me just explain uh, Everything has guf v'neshama, a body and a soul. The, uh, or maybe you could call it the, the outer trappings and the inner spiritual uh, meaning. Like, for instance, on Rosh Hashanah, the mitzvah is you, you, you blow the shofar. The but the inner meaning is the coronation of, the, of God as king, right? So the inner meaning of Hei Tevis is really about the continued leadership of the Rebbe and the Rebbe's continued relationship with Chassidim, and that that's not interrupted by uh, physical passing. And as the Rebbe said many time, times during uh, that period. Mazare b'chaim afhu b'chaim, quoting the Talmudic dictum that refers to Yank Vavino, just as his descendants are alive <clears throat> so he is alive that as long as, as people are studying Chassidus and living according to Chassidus so, so the Rebbe is alive. So that's the inner meaning of Hey Tevis but the outer expression of that if you want to put it to a tangible action it is the purchase of repair of and study of holy books so it is very uh, providential that tonight's class which is a monthly series which we have been doing this year on the uh, mit- mitzvah campaigns, the Mivzayim, that tonight, and I don't think this was planned this way, but we're doing the Mivzah bias Male Svarim, the Rebbe's campaign to amass books, to have a home full of holy books, that this coincides with Hey Tevis, which really there's no more appropriate day on the Jewish calendar to be speaking about amassing books. So let's, uh, let's jump in. Let me talk a little bit, first of all, about, about Hey Tevis um, in connection with books. The actual uh, incident of the, the, uh, the verdict happened, uh, Tav Zion. Uh, 1987. And there was a great celebration, unbridled celebration, legendary celebration for a week. But it wasn't so clear that it was going to become a, an annual observance and, and and for those who know a little bit of the what, what we call inside baseball, uh, there was an event that occurred about a month before the first anniversary where they were actually bringing the books of Svarim, the actual containers with the holy books in them were being brought back to 770 and yeshiva students came out and were dancing and the Rebbe voiced clear disapproval of that activity. Why are you dancing when we're bringing the books back? Go study the books, don't dance, study. So. Because of that, it wasn't clear if the Rebbe was happy with Hei being celebrated every year. But then, on the first anniversary, meaning a month after that incident, that incident of uh, base Kislev, um, on the first anniversary of Hei meaning Tavshem uh, Shem the Rebbe made it very clear that yes, this is an event to be celebrated each and every year on, on the date. And uh, that's when the Rebbe said the way to celebrate it. Again, we were speaking about there's the, the inner and the outer, right? The deeper meaning of Haytavus is infinitely deep. But the outer expression of it, the tangible expression, uh, the Rebbe said has to do with books. Why? I the connection is obvious that the whole Haytavis came about because of contested property that were books. Okay? Obviously the whole, uh, the, 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 the story of Hey Tevis touches much deeper than just these books. Uh, as I was saying, it has to do with the whole notion of the enduring uh, relationship of a Rebbe with Chassidim. But as point of fact, the contested property and the, that which precipitated an actual legal battle were books. So, therefore, the way to celebrate and commemorate uh, Hey Tavis is also with books. And so, um, that year, the first anniversary of Hey Tavis, 5748, 48, uh, 1988, um, the Rebbe said that um, it should be celebrated in conjunction with purchasing books. And then the Rebbe mentioned actually that year, 1988, or Tafshe Memchess, was the 500th birthday of Rav Yosef Karo, the Mechaber, the, uh, the author of the Shulchan Aruch. So the Rebbe said that there should be sales discounting the, the price of uh, Shulchan Aruch so that people will study the, uh, the works of Yosef Karo. Now, on the second anniversary of Hey Tevis, Tavshin Mem has talking about now 1989 that have been reiterated that the the outer expression of the day should be connected with books, buying books, repairing books that I've been mentioned, uh, returning books. You know, books are one of those things you never <laughs> got to be careful to lend them out because. For some reason, people never give them back. You, know, you lend somebody, uh, I don't know, <laughs> your, your lawnmower. They'll bring it back. You give them sweat them for some reason, they don't come back with it. Anyways, so if you have books that, that, that need to be returned, go return those books. Um, and then the Rebbe gave out dollars that day. And interestingly, the Rebbe gave everybody $2.00. Now, the Rebbe always would give a dollar for tzedakah. That was the whole idea of the dollars, is to make you a shliach mitzvah to go give tzedakah. Not with that precise dollar, because it was understood that people would want to hold on to it as a keepsake, but the equivalent of the dollar. The Rebbe was making you uh, deputizing you to be a shliach mitzvah to go uh, to give a dollar. Uh, so, But then, Tav tested the Rebbe gave out two dollars, and said that the second dollar, the first dollar was Tzedakah, as per usual, but the second dollar was for buying Svodim because it's Hey Tavis, and Hey Tavis is about buying Svodim. And Kohos, which is the publishing arm of Lubavitch, they have a bookstore across the street, across the parkway from, uh, from, from 770. It got absolutely swarmed with throngs of people because the Rebbe had just said, here's a dollar to go buy Svarim. So then it really cemented that idea that Hey the celebration of Hey is connected with Svarim. Okay. But now what I want to do a little bit is, after all, this is a class on Mivzah, by Mali Svarim, on the mitzvah campaign. So I want to go back in history um, about 10 years before Hei um, in fact, more than 10 years, th- 13 years before Hei uh, 1974. That is when the Mivtza of uh, Bias Mali Sfarim was established. But actually, I have to go back a, even a little bit further than that. I have to go back to the Yom Kippur War which was 1973. After the Yom Kippur War, the Yom Kippur War was it was not like the 6-day war, let's put it that way. There were many casualties and it was uh, to a certain extent even though it was a victory, it was somewhat demoralizing. So there was a big discussion uh, among the uh, the IDF leaders how to uh, boost morale. And uh, the Rebbe spoke about this at the UTES Teskisla Febrangen that year, after the Yom Kippur War, that the leaders of the IDF were, uh, <laughs> the Rebbe mentioned, whenever you have Jews, so there's always a, an argument, right? So they were all, they were all arguing what's the best way to boost the morale of the soldiers. So different people said different things, you know, entertainment, different things. And the Rebbe said, you know, that, that that's that's all well and good, but that's not what has stood the test of time. What is tried and true uh, among Jews, what has always boosted our morale, even at the lowest times, and given us, you know, a certain uh, confidence and hope to go on, it hasn't been distraction, it hasn't been, you know, a frivolity. It's been Torah, Torah and mitzvahs. So the Rebbe said, that really, if they want to boost morale of the troops, they should give them uh, religious objects. And the Rebbe spoke about giving them prayer books and uh, and 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 tzitzis and, uh, and a pushka to give tzedakah. Later on that year, uh, around Shavuot's time, the Rebbe then expanded that idea and said, you know, everyone, all Jews are members of Tzivos Hashem. By the way, interestingly enough, this is before the Rebbe started the uh, youth group or youth organization called uh, Tzivus Hashem. But uh, the Rebbe said all Jews are part of Tzivus Hashem, Hashem, which literally means the army of God. So what's good for the IDF is really good for Klal Yisrael. It's good for all Jewry. So uh, then at that Fabrengen, the Rebbe said uh, that with, there are certain campaigns we're going to do to boost the morale of the Jewish people, um, and that's when that ever sort of enshrined the mitzvah campaigns as mitzvah campaigns. Now, if you, if anyone remembers, we had a class on Tfilin. Um, the uh, mitzvah Tfilin started in conjunction with the Six Day War in 1967, so that had been around already for a while. Um, but now, in 1974, the Rebbe sort of cemented it that there's a banner called the Mitzvah Campaigns. And so they had Mitzvah Tefillin, tfil- which had already been around since 67. Uh, plus, the Rebbe added Mitzvah Torah, the Mitzvah studying Torah, uh, Mitzvah Tzedakah, the campaign for giving Tzedakah. Uh, that was last class we did uh, tzadaka, right? And uh, Mivza bias Malik And in fact, the Rebbe com- connected the Mivza bias Malik Svarim with Mivza Torah, almost like as, as um, sort of like they go together as, as one thing. And very often in later years, as the Rebbe referred to bias Malik Svarim, the Rebbe would uh, refer to it in conjunction with Mivza Torah. Uh, so that's when the Mivzoyim, the 10, uh, well there weren't yet 10, but when the mitzvah campaign sort of became established. And then later on, the next year, in 1975, and the year after that, 1976, the other uh, Mivzoyim were added until finally there were a total of, of 10. So that's, that's the origin of Mivza bias Mali Svara. Okay. Now, I want to go back even further. You know, just like we started with Heytavis, which was in the '80s, and then we went back to the '70s, where the Mivza Biyis Mali was was uh, established. I want to go back even further now um, to the to the '50s, and. 1951 is when Kohos, we mentioned before Kohos, Kohos is the publishing arm of of Lubavitch when uh, Kohos was founded. Um, It was founded by the Friedeke Rebbe and the Rebbe who came over 1941 uh, escaping uh, war-torn Europe was put in charge of Kohos, so the Rebbe was uh, was the uh, sort of the manager or the uh, the overseer of of Kohos operations. So even before the Rebbe was Rebbe, the Rebbe was very involved in publishing, and not just in the scholarly side of it and preparing the books for publication, which of course. Rebbe was involved in that part of it as well, but also uh, the business side of things and making sure that books should be affordable and that they should be accessible and making sure that they look nice and that they're attractive and they're well done Um, and that books are in print, the very practical side of things. In fact, I'll tell you something very interesting. during the Cold War there was a fund, the Americans were paying for the printing of any books that they felt promoted Western values as opposed to the Soviet Union's communist values which they defined as a threat to Western values. So. The government, the United States government, would give money uh, to help publish any books that they felt were of a cultural value that would promote Western cultural values. So <laughs> that ever got federal funding from the Americans by telling them, well, look, you guys want to put out literature that that, 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 uh, that opposes communism. We're public enemy number 1 in Soviet Russia. <laughs> who did the communists oppose more than Lubavitch? So, you know, you go look at who the communists considered to be dangerous. That's us. So, we're pretty anti-communist, we're pretty anti-revolutionary. So, uh that have a secured funding and um that's how many of the, the books that were printed in those, in those days, in the early days, in the 1950s. I'm sorry, in the 1940s. I said the 50s. I'm saying the, the Rebbe became Rebbe in 1951. I'm talking back in the 40s, I should have said. Uh, in 1941, uh, Kohos was, did I say that correctly? In 1941, Kohos was founded. If I said 51 before, was uh, Sape, it was an error. And the cause was founded in 1941, the Rebbe came over to America in 1941, so this this is back in the 40s. Okay, um, also going back to that, that same era, actually 1949, 1949, but again, still before the Rebbe became Rebbe, uh, the Friedrich Rebbe spoke about how every home, at least Chabad Sidim should have three books in the home. Whether people study them or not, they, they, I mean, obviously, ideally, they would study them, but the point is that they should have, there's three particular books, previous Rebbe spoke about it, the Febrengen of Yud-Beyes Thomas uh, Tavshun uh, Test, that's the summer of 1949, they should have Kaser Shemtov. That's the book of the Baal Shem Tov, the, the founder of the Hasidic movement. They should have Or Torah, which is of the Magid. The Magid was the disciple of the Baal Shem Tov. And they should have Tanya, which is the book of the Al-Terebbe, Rebbe, is the disciple of the disciple of the Baal Shem Tov. So those three first generations of the Hasidic movement, uh, they should have... Um, the, the the books of those of those uh, hasidic masters and the feder kaiber mentioned that it, for for reasons that are known to those who know obviously like some type of mystical reason the three books should not be bound with one binding they should be bound separately and that every home should have those three books okay so that already was from uh from 1949, you know, from before, before the, the Nicias, before the Rebbe's leadership officially began in 1951. Um, but then, obviously, w- w- with the Rebbe, the, the emphasis on books and purchasing books and printing books became a very important thing. And then, like we said, 1974 was the official launch of the, the campaign to have a home full of Torah books. And you know, when, the, when the Rebbe spoke about a home full of Torah books, the Rebbe said, the word full, a home full of books. What does full mean? Full means full. It means that if there's a Jewish book in the world that your house doesn't have yet, it's still not full. So don't stop. It's not enough obviously you start with the basics you start with you know the the fundamental texts and that i've mentioned many times that every house should have a siddur a prayer book a, a chumash you know the the five books of moses you should have a tanya the the, the basic book of, of chabad chassidus. Um, a chassidus that i would always mention they should have halacha books books of jewish law books that talk about practical observance but uh, that's just the beginning molesware full of books means that you don't stop and you fill you just keep on you just keep on bringing books into the home The but also mentioned that full can mean quantitatively also mean qualitatively that what does it mean qualitatively that what really fills out the home what really completes it are the books so therefore a person should sort of prioritize the books as his prized possessions and he should feel what really you know what do i care about most in this home the holy books the holy books are what makes the home it's a, it's a feeling it's a feeling a person an, an attitude A person should have that's what it means the house is full of holy books what fills in the home what makes the home a home is that it has it has jewish books okay um One of the things also the Rebbe said in conjunction with this mitzvah campaign is that communities should establish public libraries. In Crown Heights they actually started the Levi Yitzchok library, which was named for the Rebbe's father, and that was in response to the Rebbe talking about libraries. I'm sure people are aware, uh, and if they're not aware, they should be aware of an incredible resource we have locally in the five towns, Chavada the five towns has also our Levi Yitzchok library, which is named for Levi Yitzchok Wallowik, Shalom. So that is an incredible resource, and that is a living embodiment of this call that the Rebbe made that there should be public Libraries And the Rebbe actually didn't just say there should be public libraries, the Rebbe spoke about it in detail, um, that you know they should have hours where they're open every day so that people can go there. The Rebbe said the building, the library building, should be attractive so that people will want to walk in there, even people who not necessarily are interested in Jewish books, but they'll see a nice building and they'll end up walking in. Um, the Rebbe spoke about the fact they should have all kinds of Jewish books like to appeal to all different levels and different, uh, you know, d- different kinds of interests. And uh, so that was, that was a very important aspect of this campaign, the idea of public libraries. But in addition, there was the concept of private libraries, that really every Jewish home should have its own library, should be a library. Um, and the Rebbe gave over the years various directives regarding each home being a library. Um, we mentioned that the Rebbe mentioned uh, certain core books. Uh, I, I don't know if we said uh, Tehillim. I don't think we mentioned Tehillim, a book of Psalms. Uh, and the Rebbe also mentioned, as far as books of Hasidis, to have. Torah and Lakutet Torah; those are books from the Alter Rebbe. We mentioned Tanya already, but Torah and Lakutet Torah are also books of Chassidus from the Alter Rebbe. Um, then Rebbe mentioned Halacha Sfarim. Um, the Rebbe said, when a when a and Kallah, when a bride and groom get married, when they're newlyweds, they should already start building their personal library, and the more, the better they should get started right away. You know, it's interesting, when people get married, they have like the gift registries, right? And the Bed Bath & Beyond, and you get them the Cuisinart, and the Blender, and the, you know, whatever. But uh, don't forget the Svarim. And uh, never spoke about that, that there's a a, a custom when people get married, so often the bride's father will buy for the groom a Shas, a set of, of Talmud which are, you know, big books and it's an expensive set and it's large, but uh, it shouldn't just be the shas. it should be many books. And also that the groom should buy for the bride a gift and they I ever mentioned that there was a custom that apparently there was a very popular, <laughs> you know, it's funny because we did this, uh, my wife and I when, when we got married, but there was an old custom, there was a popular Siddur called the Siddur Korban Mincha. The Siddur Korban Mincha was a prayer book that had the regular Hebrew prayers, but then everything was translated into into Yiddish. And that was popular because many women couldn't read Hebrew, but they could read Yiddish because Yiddish was the Mamelosh, that was the vernacular, that was the language they spoke from day to day, so they could read Yiddish. So it was like a customary thing that a groom would buy for his bride the Siddur korban Mincha, this Siddur that has Yiddish translation of the prayers, which I did. I bought for my, my wife uh, Siddur korban Mincha, which we have somewhere. One of our, I don't know, we're still in boxes. We just moved houses again. <laughs> we have a real bias Mali Svadim right now, except the Svadim are in the boxes, and the house is full of the boxes. But uh, the Rebbe mentioned that it actually could be that today... Women are more educated. So if, 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 the, if the groom will buy the bride a Siddur Kobin Mincha, she might actually be insulted because <laughs> the, the Rebbe said she's going to feel like, What are you implying that I don't know how to daven from a regular Siddur? So instead, what should you do? You should buy, the chosin, the groom should buy for the Kala, the bride, practical for. books that talk about practical day-to-day Jewish law, particularly Jewish law in the home, which the woman is uh, chiefly responsible for maintaining the standard of halachic observance in the home. So, uh, and, 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 and Baruch Hashem, today there are so many books on these topics. So, uh, guys, if you're a newlywed or if you want to just act like a newlywed, you want to have a second honeymoon, <laughs> go buy your wife some books about halacha. Yes, that's right. What did you think I was going to say? That's, that's, that's how you be a Jewish husband. Okay. Um, now, there's a third part of this campaign. So we spoke about public libraries. We spoke about private libraries. Now, even more specific, let's talk about children's personal libraries, that every child should have their own collection of Svadim, of holy books. Yeah, something that the Rebbe spoke about on many occasions, that children should have their own Svadim, their own holy books. In fact, even infants. And how do you see this, that children, that even infants should have holy books? That when there's a Jewish custom that when a child is born, you put up the shiremailas, you put up the card that has the words of Psalms on it on the doorway. So you see that it benefits a child, even an infant who can't read yet is benefited by being surrounded by holy words. So everything that a child sees from infancy is going to have an impression. So you go out and you buy Swadim, buy holy books, even for an infant. You don't have to wait until they can read. Just the fact that the infant is lying in his or her cradle and sees uh, holy books, this has an effect, a lifelong effect. Um, what else? Oh that ever mentioned, that the books should expressly be the property of the child. That it shouldn't just be that, oh, in our house we have books that the children can use. No, you should get the child his or her own books. And, and for that reason, by the way, when you have, Baruch Hashem, kenan Hora, you have, you know, more than one child, so that means you're going to have multiple copies of the same books, right? Because every kid, has to have his or her own Chumash, his or her own Tehillim, his or her own Siddur. These are basic Jewish books. And each, each child should have his or her own copy of it. Um, and, and Oh, and not just the Chumash and Tehillim and Siddur, but I should mention this, very interesting, that Ebbas said every child should have his or her own Haggadah. Interesting. Why Haggadah? I understand basic books, Chumash, Telem, Seder. Why Haggadah? Because the whole <laughs> point of the Seder Haggadah where we tell the story of going out of Egypt is that it's an answer to the question of the child. The child is supposed to say, why is this night different from all other nights? And then we have the mitzvah. Once the child asks, then we have the mitzvah of explaining. We were slaves to Pharaoh in Egypt. So the whole haggadah is about the child. It's the child's. It's the answer to the child's question. Therefore, every child should have their own haggadah. And the Rebbe even mentioned um, a haggadah with pictures, so that even if a child can't read or even if they can read but they enjoy seeing the pictures, but certainly if they can't read, so the pictures are very meaningful f- for them. Um, now here's an important point about children getting svoda. We all know that when you give a child a book, especially a, a small child, they don't necessarily know how to uh, take care of it. and Children often rip books. If you go to a house where there are children, you will invariably find books that have missing pages or half-torn pages. That's just what children do. So the Rebbe said that the parents should specifically tell the children don't worry about ruining the Svarim, that it's okay, and that if you ruin it, Mommy and Tati will buy you a nicer and <laughs> newer one. <laughs> so, like, it's all, almost encouraging them to tear it up. And, and in, in fact, the Rebbe mentioned a medrash that says how Hashem feels loved when little children step on His name. It's a medrash that says that even when the azkara, the name of Hashem, is trounced upon by children, obviously not adults who know better, but little children who end up, you know, they drop a, a, a holy book and they end up running around on top of it or kicking it. Not, not maliciously, but just because they're, they're little children. That that's actually um, something that Hashem regards as an act of affection. So uh, it's a beautiful thing when little, when little children are stepping on Svadim. Obviously, not that they're intentionally stepping on the safer in a way of disrespect, God forbid, but the fact that there's, the point is there are so many holy books around and the children have such free access to the books that the books invariably end up being uh, handled the way children, the way small children handle things. And that we shouldn't worry about that. And not only is it okay, it's a beautiful thing. I think that's important um, for us as parents because sometimes we get uptight you know we can't even have nice things around here right that's like the perennial parental uh, lament but in this case it's actually a great thing and if your kids ruin your Svarim the Rebbe says just buy nicer newer ones just replace them it's fine it's good it's like okay so that brings me to another another point here which is even more, I think, of a novel idea. And that is, okay, it's understood that children end up mishandling the svarim. Now, obviously adults shouldn't mishandle svarim, but Rebbe spoke about how it's a good thing when adults use their svarim so, let's call it, uh, excitedly, uh, that they, they're not very gentle with the Svarim. Okay? Like someone who's very gentle, very careful. Come on. If you really appreciate these books, use them up! Like, use them up! Really? And, and, and there's a Mishnah in Pirkei Aves. Mishnah in Pir- Pirkei Aves says, hafach ba." Turn it and turn it. We're right? talking about the Torah. The Torah is full. I mean, the, the simple. Let me tell you first the simple meaning. The simple meaning is that Torah has endless meaning. So it's like we learn the Parsha every year. Why? Because there, there, there's another layer that we didn't get to before. So, hafokhba, ba, turn it over and turn it over and, and always like, find a new, a new uh, angle on it. Vesiv uvelevo. And grow old and worn out with it. Like, learn Torah and learn it and learn it and turn it over and turn it over and grow old and worn out with Torah. That's the simple meaning of the, of the Mishnah and Pirkei always. But the Rebbe took those words and learned it homiletically. And said like this. When you're learning a Sefer, when you're learning a Torah book, Ha'fachba v'hafachba. Turn it over and turn it over. Turn it and turn it. Now, why turn it and turn it? Seemingly, you only have to turn the page once, and then, you know, you're on the next page. Turn it and turn it means you turn the page and you start reading. You're like, hold, hold on a second. This is, a, I, I found a contradiction. And then you turn back the page to an earlier page because you want to go check it out and try to, because you have a question, you have a kasha, you have, and you want to reconcile it. So hafachba, means you're flipping pages back and forth. You're like, hold on a second, let me compare this thing with that thing because that's how Jews learn. Jews learn very analytically and we question everything. So turn it and turn it is... <laughs> that when you're learning a book the proper way, you turn the page up, but then you turn it back because you're constantly uh, you know, scrutinizing everything. And then because you're flipping the pages around so much because you're really using this safer, uh, really, you know, uh, the, way, the way it's meant to be used, then the book gets old and worn out through that. Siva now is talking about the book. So Havachba, Havachba, when you're flipping the pages back and forth, Siva the book gets old and worn out, and that's a beautiful thing. In fact, that ever says, I mean, you have to understand a little bit of Hasidic, uh, uh, the Hasidic view on, on somethingness and nothingness. I guess that's, uh, that itself is a whole other class. But, uh, you know, in in Hasidic, uh, in the Hasidic worldview, like the worst thing you can be is a yesh. <laughs> yesh just means an existence. It just means something that is. Yesh, it exists. A uh, yesh, like what, what, do you exist? <laughs> Nothing exists but Hashem, right? So you're supposed to have bitl. Bitl is self-abnegation, which doesn't mean, God forbid, like, shattered self-esteem or, you know, self-loathing. That's, Bittl doesn't mean thinking less of yourself. It means thinking of yourself less. <laughs> it means freedom from self-consciousness, where you transcend the self and you just become so God-conscious that there's no separate me anymore. There's no separate me. There's just, there's nothing but him. There's nothing but the one, right? So, with that background, that... You know, from the Hasidic point of view, the greatest thing is nothingness. If you can become a nothing, that's the true something, because now you're at one with the everything. So the Rebbe says, if you're going to really use a safer properly until you tear it up and it falls apart and becomes nothing, the Rebbe says, the safer's is going to thank you. Thank you for making me a nothing. <laughs> you know, like, thank you for allowing me to become, you know, one with, with the essence, basically. And yet, at the same time, the Rebbe points out a paradox. And everything in Judaism, especially in this, is a paradox. You know, it's always, the, whenever you have a question, is it this or is it this? And the answer is always, yes! <laughs> you know, right? Like the famous story about the husband and wife come to the rabbi to complain, and uh, the husband says his whole side of the story, and the rabbi says, you're right. And then the wife says, hold on, let me say my side. She says, her side. The rabbi says to her, you're right. And then the rabbi's own wife is walking by, and she sticks her head in the door, and she says, they can't both be right. And the rabbi says to her, you're right. All right. But it's not just a joke. There's a truth in that, that uh, ultimately truth is bigger than one position or another position. Truth can only be grasped through paradox. And so we always find everything is always paradox. Here's the paradox. On one hand, svarim are meant to be worn out, used up, devoured, and that's a good thing. On the other hand, (laughs) now you remind me of another joke. You remind I'm blaming it on you. I'm, I'm talking to myself. A guy calls up a shul, and the receptionist answers the phone. Hello? Yes, I'm looking for a one-armed rabbi. And the receptionist says, what? What are you looking for? The guy says, I'm looking for a one-armed rabbi. The receptionist says, I, I don't understand. You. A one-armed rabbi? He says, yeah, I'm looking for a one-armed rabbi. Do you have one? She says, I, I don't know why are you looking for a one-armed rabbi. The guy says, because the one I have right now, anytime I ask him a question, he answers, and then right away he says, but on the other hand, so now I'm looking for a one-armed rabbi, you know, one's not going to say that to me on the other hand. So on one hand, svarim are meant to be used up and, you know, torn apart, and that's, that's, that's how you show that you really love them. At the same time, on the other hand, svarim should be nice. What does it mean, Nice they should be attractive, they should be printed on nice paper, have a nice cover, you know, don't judge a book by its cover, but you do, but people do. And the uh, you know, Debe actually gave uh, feedback to Kohos regarding the size of books. Because the Debe once pointed out that a certain book, that it's not the right size that of, of people what people normally have on, on the space between one shelf and another. Um, Typesetting that the inside of the book should have nice, clear letters so it's easy to read. So, on one hand, books have to be really nicely done, they have to be well made, they have to be attractive, and at the same time, on the other hand, use them up, tear them up, let them fall apart, and that's the most loving thing you can do. And they're both true, that's the paradox. Okay. Let's just talk a little bit about a few reasons why bias Molle svadim. Why to have a house full of of Torah books. Uh, one reason is practical. You know, there, there's an <laughs> it's said in different contexts, but they say you know if you hang out in a barbershop long enough, you're going eventually you're going to get a haircut, right? So. If you surround yourself with holy books eventually you're going to pick one up so that's that's the first thing is and and i said before that mivza bias molly svarim the campaign of having a house full of torah books is connected to mivza the the campaign of studying torah that if you have a house full of torah books eventually you're going to study them Uh, so that's one reason a second reason is a spiritual reason that it the rebbe said when you have when you own holy books, it invokes a certain scus, a certain uh, merit that uh, intercedes on your behalf in heaven. That's that's another benefit, and then a third thing, and this is very interesting. By owning Torah books, one, at least according to one opinion, or certain opinions. One fulfills the mitzvah, it's actually the 613th mitzvah, of writing a Torah scroll. There are 613 commandments. The 613th commandment is to write your own Torah scroll. Now, we're actually going to talk about this in another class because the Rebbe also made a a campaign of buying a letter in a Torah scroll, in a communal Torah scroll. But uh, there is an opinion, namely of of the Rosh, who says that the mitzvah to write a Torah scroll doesn't mean just to have a Torah scroll, it means to own Torah books that one is able to study from. And the mitzvah is a Torah scroll because initially the only book in Judaism was the book, was the Sefer Torah because that was the written law, and everything else was oral tradition, which was not allowed to be written down. Remember, for thousands of years, the oral tradition was never written down. Not until Yehuda Nasi came along, and 2,000 years ago made the Mishnah, and that was the first recording of, of oral law. And then after the Mishnah, there was the, the Gemara, and then so on and so forth, until now we have uh, who knows how many volumes, endless, endless, endless volumes of uh, written oral law. So it's funny because it's the oral law, but it's, now it's written. And it's written because if it wouldn't be written, we, we would, God forbid, lose it and forget it. So the Rosh says that the mitzvah is to have a Torah scroll because the, the, the mitzvah speaking from the perspective of the Torah, of the written law, at which time you know when that that was given there was only the written law there were no other books but now that we have we have oral law recorded in books so the mitzvah to write a torah scroll is actually fulfilled by buying jewish books so that i have mentioned that also that by having jewish books in your home and owning them you're you're doing that mitzvah okay um I think I'll just mention one more thing. Well, uh, Hashem, there's, there's much more to be said about this, but I think I'll just mention one more thing. And, and, and that is something that ever said, Yud uh, Tes Kislev, Tovshin Lamid Gimel. 19, well, still, it was still 1972. It wasn't yet 1973. It was the last uh, couple months of 1972, and it's interesting because the Rebbe said this before. If you remember, before I said that the bias mollysvarim, this this campaign was launched in the summer of '74. So actually, this sicha, this address, is from before the uh, the this campaign was launched. Although, like I also mentioned, the Rebbe was talking about books and dealing with books and promoting books. You know, long before. Uh, the official launch of the campaign. So, just 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 share with you something that Rebbe said: Toshin Lamid Gimel." Just a beautiful concept. At least I felt it was it was it was beautiful, and I wanted to share it with you. And that's that's what I'll leave you with. Um, that there's a special connection between Bias Molek having a house full of Torah books, and women. Why women? Um, because a woman, generally speaking, is the one who is responsible for not just setting the tone in the home, we mentioned that before, that you know, getting a woman uh, halacha books about practical halacha in the home because she's the one who oversees it. But m- more than that, uh, just very practically, Generally speaking, the woman is the one who designs the house, like physically, like the decor, the furnishings, all that stuff. Yeah, I mean, guys, tell me, when's the last time you picked out drapes? Imagine what would happen if you would come home and start putting up drapes. (laughs) See how well it would go over, right? Anyways, the woman is the one who designs the home bias Molesvarim, in addition to all the other things that we're, we were, we've been talking about, having a home full of Torah books, it also is, in a certain way, it's the decor of the home. And it, um, it creates an environment, a feeling, so that people have the feeling they're in a Jewish home. And so when a a woman is designing her home, that's a core element of it. In other words, I don't think it cheapens it to say, I don't think it's crass to say that having lots of books, a a wall full of books, that that's uh, important interior design. And uh, So I want to encourage everybody to beautify your home, especially the women, uh, to beautify their homes by having lots of sforum. I want to mention that this class is part of a series of classes that we started at the beginning of this Jewish year. And these are all dedicated in loving memory of Dina Lea, Rosenzweigal, Shalom. and that when you do these mitzvahs that we speak about, you should have her in mind that we're doing them for Dina Leah. So I encourage everybody, buy books, like today, now. I mean, you don't, it's it's beautiful. Today, you just go online and just go buy some books, holy books, Jewish books. And when you do so, please have in mind that uh, you're doing so uh, on behalf of uh, of Dina Leah. And uh, the holy books should have a good effect on you and your family.